0: let you introduce yourself let's pray lord we come to you in the name of jesus we thank you so much for your goodness to us and lord we just pray as one of our songs earlier today prayed that your holy spirit would be upon us and we just ask for that lord that you would anoint us anoint my brother merle anoint his lips anoint our hearts to hear what you have for us and uh, lord we just commit this service into your hands we commit my son dennis into your hands we commit the rest of this day's activities into your hands and Lord, we pray that You would get all the glory. Your yes. name would be hallowed, and Your yes. kingdom would come, and Your will would be done on earth hmm. like it is in heaven. Thank You, God, for gathering us here. This is a special time. Hmm. We praise You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. God bless you, brother. Thank you, brother.
1: Well, good uh, morning and greetings in Jesus' name. Um First, I'll say from the churches in Lancaster, but also um, I consider it a great privilege to be here on behalf of the work in Iraq and um, to, um, to, to be here as a, a support for Dennis as he goes. Um, we started doing uh, send-offs like this or, or trying to connect with churches as they send off uh, longer-term volunteers about a year ago. And it has become a great blessing, um, not only to those that go, and I trust also to the churches uh, where we've labored into that, but also to ourselves. Um, Incredible connections have been built in uh, connecting with the body of Christ uh, that has become the shoulders and the platform that these young people have uh, gone on. Uh, This morning, uh, as we were fellowshipping, preparing to come here, I found myself telling the story of a young lady years ago that had uh, come to the work in Iraq with, with certain hurts in her life and disappointments and uh, maybe was just trying to go and do something to find some purpose and identity. And um, I believe she did find some of that. Um, and many of it I trust in a good way. But um, because of the, maybe the more family feel and, and the, whatever she enjoyed about the work there, um, came back to her home church and setting and um, kind of rubbed some kind of rubbed some things under their noses uh, culturally and things like that and and really was uh, a grief to some of our hearts and leadership because the very bridge that um, carried her over it seemed like she was proceeding to you know blow up and burn and uh, that was definitely not our heart and Fortunately, it all ended up working out very nice in the long run and things were reconciled and healed in, in many ways. And actually that very network of churches is, uh, by God's grace, uh, letting one of their fine young families come to serve there in the field in Iraq. And, and that's just a reminder of um, the redemption and grace of God. But it's better to, it's better to not burn a bridge than to have to burn one and then rebuild another one. So um, the thing of building relationships is very precious, and I consider it um, a great privilege when an assembly says, sure, let's, uh, let's do something like that. Let's show science support. Let's work together. And, uh, and uh, I want to be a careful steward of such an opportunity and uh, realize that each one of you here uh, is a form of a co-laborer uh, with Dennis, with us, to see the good news preached in um, places where christ has never been known before just as last week i believe i heard um somebody was asked uh, something about a question about jesus and they said if they know, well, if they know he knows, knows about jesus christ and he said no he he don't know what who's that and uh, our heart is to go and preach the good news of jesus in those places where christ is not known and uh, so i hope that um that Dennis can be part of seeing that come to um, to fruition. This morning, I am not choosing to talk about the work very much. Um, at the end, maybe, as we uh, gather for prayer, I may share a few more short things. But uh, tonight, if you want to hear about what we're doing, what's going on, like uh, Roger shared, if you can come on over to uh, hosey Mennonite, I'll be sharing a slideshow and kind over overview of what we're doing. And I told Brother Roger as we were sharing... Um, coming up to this intersection, that that is really a joy to me. I I didn't know if there could be some overlap like that, or, or however the case would be. I said it gives me freedom, because I don't do very good at mixing uh, presentations and reports and preaching. Um, I started preaching first, and that's uh, what I feel God has called me to do, and, and I'm learning how to use these PowerPoint clickers and pointers and all those things, and it's still... Um, That'd be a little bit like David there with uh, Saul's armor. I'm not quite used to it, but I'm getting there. So, if you have your um, Bibles with you, which I trust most of you do, you may turn with me to Judges 20, verse 16, which is um, actually the verse that I feel like the Lord has put on uh, my heart this morning as a text verse. uh, And ironically, actually, I believe, came to my heart while I was first talking uh, with Brother Roger on the phone about this. This this verse flashed through my mind, and I had to go back and investigate the context a little bit um, and seek the Lord not only for, uh, you know, it seemed like He gave me the verse, but the meaning behind it. But as I did, I felt like the Lord gave me something that would be for you here this morning. And uh, I hope it's a blessing for Dennis, but is the Word of God, and I trust can be... um, Uh, inspirational and engaging for all of us. I will start with reading this verse, and then uh, we'll go from there. Judges 20, verse 16. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men, left-handed. All these slang stones at a hairbreadth amidst not. We would probably say in uh, modern American English, they hit the bullseye every time. And um, I believe we, uh, I can say that we tend to like men like this. Stories of Navy SEALs intrigue us. People who have prepared well, they're tough, they work together, and they hit the mark. Self-made men who've come from the bottom up with vision like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates capture our interest. Men like Peter who promise loyalty and then in the moment of crisis pull out his sword and prepare uh prepares to take on an army we like that valor we like that that stance we like people who are uh the tough guys they win they hit the mark and uh so when we hear 700 men that could were left-handed slingers and hit a hairbreadth every time there's something inside of us says that's great That's amazing. Wow, that's skill. There's something uh, appealing to us about the service of a lady like Martha, who pulls out all the stops when given a chance to express her hospitality in serving Jesus. We like people who do it right, do it well, and add the wow factor. There's something about Elijah calling fire down on the sacrifice on Mount Carmel that we like even better. We wince a so little in 2 Kings when a hundred men get consumed by this fire, but all the same, we like the lesson you don't mess with God and his man. And even though we might not admit it, some of us are secretly disappointed. When in Second Samuel sixteen nine, Abishai doesn't get permission to relieve Shimei of the top ten inches of his anatomy because he know we know he could have accomplished it effectively and efficiently. And the story there is when David was running uh, on it, on the run, uh, Absalom taking over the kingdom, and uh, Shimei came along hurling um, curses. Against God's anointed king. And Abishai asked for the permission. Let me go over and take off his head. And David had some things to say, which we'll look at a little bit later. But let's return back to uh, Judges 20 here, verse 16. We have one small problem with these men. From Benjamin, from Gibeah. And what is the small problem? And I put small in quotation marks. They weren't on God's side. They came out with all their skill and all their valor and everything they had. And they got on the wrong side. And let's go a little bit uh, further. Even Peter was rebuked, though he pull, pulled out his sword to defend the most defendable person in the history of the world. And Jesus had to, to literally do damage control that night for Peter and his valor and his willingness, his commitment to stand to Christ even, un, uh, even unto death. I'm here to talk about it, but it really, it really racked Peter around. It was a hard night for Peter. And Martha was not honored and was madly rebuked while being exhorted to consider her sister sister Mary's good part of sitting. And even though Elijah seems to have been in God's will, the disciples wanting to emulate him were rebuked, not only for wrong motives, but of being of the wrong spirit. And even though eventually Abishai's suggestions was necessarily meted out, He was sadly rebuked for not understanding the timing and the fact that this situation was even of the Lord. Allowed, maybe even a bit of ordered for David to pass a test, to pass a teachable moment. I'm going somewhere with all this. Um, Let's turn back um, a little bit to 1 Samuel 16. I'll start reading at verse 3. Drop down and read 6 to 14. Lord speaking to Samuel. And call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will tell thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him who I name unto thee. And it came to pass when they were come. That he, Samuel, looked on Eliab. And said, "Surely Jehovah anointed, Jehovah's anointed is before him. But Jehovah said to Samuel, "Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for it is not as man seeth, for man looketh upon the outward appearance, but Jehovah looketh upon the heart. I want to highlight that verse, we will circle back to it, and I'll just read it a second time. But Jehovah said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I rejected him. For it is not as man seeth. For man looketh upon the outward appearance, but Jehovah looketh upon the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has Jehovah chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has Jehovah chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, Jehovah has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the young men? And he, Jesse, said, There is yet the youngest remaining. And behold, he is feeding the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit at the table till he comes hither and he sent and brought him and he was ruddy, and besides of a lovely countenance and beautiful appearance And Jehovah said arise anoint him for this is he Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of Jehovah came upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah and the spirit of Jehovah departed from Saul an evil spirit from Jehovah troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles thee. I think I'm going to stop reading there. I could go down to how they chose, um, immediately after that, chose uh, David and his, how God used him. I think I'll stop right there. Um, some Bible scholars believe, believe that it's altogether possible that in addition to his youth one of the reasons that david was out with the sheep was he may have been a half-brother of these brothers an illegitimate son in any case he was not considered kingly material when it was time to gather the elect troops together the ones you would choose david was not there And this morning, the burden of the message I have is that we would see as God sees. Now, again, verse 7. Jehovah looks upon the heart, even if he's an outcast, as it were. Of course, later we find out David's, if you will, seal team conquests. But even then, God is looking on the heart on the intent in the relationship we tend to look so much at we keep a score by what happens on the outside when when they come back saying saul has slain his thousands and david is ten thousands, we say yes david's our man after all that is the way of humans but at that point god is not looking at who got the thousands who got the ten thousands that is not what makes a choice what makes a choice is what is a man's heart what is his intent And what is his relationship with God? And the burden of my heart this morning, as it relates to you, Dennis, going to Iraq, as it relates to the rest of you behind, is we are not here looking for somebody that can sling a stone at a hairbreadth and not mince. If you can do that sometimes, Dennis, in Iraq, and whatever your work is, that's fine. We'll cheer for you just like we'll cheer for David. When uh, God raised him up. But we're, we're, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking. I don't know who, and, and I sure hope nobody's even thinking this way, who your first chosen young men are here in Halsey. I don't know that. I don't know if there... I understand this is a harvest time, and I don't know if there's some sort of pecking order of who wins the harvest and gets the most seed in or fails the most hair transports the most stuff I don't know I would guess there's people that are in this valley that are good at specific things that they do there may be ones that are the best it's very possible when I was a young man in the age of some of you here 18 and 19 years old that was me I worked 110 plus hour weeks I wanted to I wanted to win I was I remember one time in the, we were, it was an aggregated related business, and I pushed the uh, uh, clock up to a new level, 36 hours nonstop. And two weeks later, somebody beat it by another four and some hours. And I said, I re- something happened, something broke in me that was very good. That it broke instead of redoubling and competing again. I said, you know what? This is foolishness. We keep doing this, somebody's going to die. Because we were driving trucks. Very foolish. But again, we like the people who can push a line and push a needle. We're Americans, a measure of us. I know many of us have Swiss-German culture, but we still live in this land of competitiveness, of independence, of who can win. But that's not what God's looking for, and that's not what we're looking for in Iraq, Dennis. And I, I believe you know that. The message is to all of us this morning, what is it that God's looking for? He's looking for somebody who has a heart that's perfect towards Him, that's after Him. I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11. but now also complete the doing of it so that as the readiness to be willing, <clears throat> there was the readiness to be willing So also to complete out of what you have. For if the readiness be there, a man is accepted not according to what he may have, not according to what he has not. For it is not in order... That there may be ease for others, and it goes on to giving. Um, the King James says, "I think it is required first that one have a willing mind." Is it, this is uh, somebody read that verse? Roger, could you read that verse? Yeah, I believe that's if there it. Be first a mind, yes. It. Yep. So the 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 idea here is, if there's a willing mind, I thought about that caller this morning. Okay, he was. Comparing, He was talking about this and that. But at the end of the day, there was one thing that still hadn't changed. He may have been counting the cost, and I hope he is today. But he still wasn't willing to kneel down and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. He honored the one who did, the person on the call, who was challenging him deeply. And that is the thing that is needed. In 1 Samuel 13, 13-14, should I you keep your... Um, Uh, finger in back there, but we'll turn back there. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of Jehovah thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would have Jehovah established thy kingdom over Israel forever. But thou thy kingdom shall not continue. I might add, at least chronologically here in the Bible, this is before David was anointed. Jehovah sought him a man after his own heart, and Jehovah has appointed him ruler over his people, for thou hast not kept what Jehovah has commanded thee. God said, if you would have walked, I gave you, I'm going to put it in my own words, I gave you the chance, Saul. If You, I, you had the opportunity of a lifetime, as it were. If you would have been faithful, if you would have kept the, uh, the commandment, I would have established your throne. You had first chance in. You know, Saul was the type of man that we like to vote for. Head and shoulders above everybody else. Somebody worth, you know, worth choosing. But it did not benefit him for one reason. He did not have a heart that was true to God. He did not say no matter what happens, I'm going to seek God and His kingdom first. I'm going to seek His goodness. I, I, I might limp across the finish line. I might collapse across the finish line. I might make so many mistakes. But at the end, I'm always good. That is what this young man on the call did not have this morning. And I'm here to challenge each one of us. It is not today about how well you run, necessarily. It is about what you do with failure. I care less about how many lions you've killed. Yes, David killed lions with his own bare hand. He killed the bears. He did the stories. But it was because of his heart that he did them. And because of that heart, even when he made some very deep mistakes, some mistakes I hope none of us ever make, very deep sins that were going to trouble his family deeply, yet still he humbled himself and he again turned back to God. And that is what God looks for, and that is what will establish a throne forever. Not perfection of walk, but a right heart. Now God wants to manifest His glory. He He wants to put grace on display today in lives. He's not glorified, you know. Even David, the prophet, said, "By this you have given great occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme." That is a very sad day. We must not minimize that for God's glory. But at the end of the day, that is not ultimately what's going to determine whether we rise again. It will not determine these other things. God wants that. He wants to put His grace on display. No doubt about it. But what I want this, uh, to lift out this morning, what I believe God's heart is, is that we have this humble servant attitude that seeks another's good. You know, instead of this man that rose head and shoulders above everybody else, Can I say, God chose, and and forgive me if I take too much poetic or literary license here, He chose the runt. That's what He chose. I like to think, you're welcome to not believe, to not suggest this idea, uh, to take this suggestion, but I, I, I like to think that when David said, In sin did my mother conceive me, he was talking literally about, and he was a half brother. You may say, I don't know if that's true. You know what? We'll find out in glory. But the reason it fits well with me is because God uses nobodies. He uses nothings. He chooses outcasts. He chose what we would have called the bomb. As in the person who sits around and doesn't work well. Mary to have the better part. And he rebuked Martha. You know, I believe um, it's so easy for us. You know, when we look back at the, at the Old Testament or the New Testament, you know, the, in, the, in, the, in the study this morning, the question was brought up kind of along the lines of why didn't they get it? Why didn't they see it? Why didn't they get this resurrection thing? Well, see, it looks a certain way when you look backwards at it, when you're past it. And we look back at these uh, people in the the Old and New Testament. We say, well, we wouldn't have done it that way. Surely we would have. Yes, we would have been right there with Mary. I'm going to tell you, I don't know you here this morning. But if your percentages are anything like it is in Lancaster. Most of us would not have been sitting with Mary. Most of us. The larger percentage. And that should humble us. And I don't mean to, to put a condemnation or a burden. Only to set to, to, for us humbly to say that is very possible. And therefore, because we say it's possible, we're most likely to change our ways and to say, I want to be a Mary. I want to sit at Jesus' feet. This morning, the question that comes to my mind, to, to our hearts this morning is, do we really value what God values? This morning, um, again, forgive me for pulling too many illustrations out of our personal time around the table, but it just fits so well. We were talking about how we all have a journey we've come through. And there's all some sort of revelation or something that we paid a high price for or has been burned into us in the fire or... Or we have an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or somebody that, that went the wrong way. And it's very personal to us how, how it goes when you, when you violate this principle. And that becomes our, one of our foundational verses that we work away from. And if we agree on this point, then we'll see, see what else we agree on. But that's the most important thing. Every, probably every one of us have an element of this. It's It's human but the question is uh, is our most important things his most important things is it what he's looking at would have we chosen david had it, had the choice been up to us that's the question okay 1 corinthians 1 25 to 29 because the foolishness of god is wiser than men and the weakness of god is stronger than men for consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many powerful, not many high born. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world, that he may put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world, that he may put to shame the strong things, and the ignoble things of the world, and the despised is God chosen, and the things that are not, that he may annul the things that are, so that no flesh should boast before God. You know, uh, this wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to take just a little detour. I had a very pivotal, life-impacting moment this last Tuesday afternoon. As I sat there in Iraq, and I, if, I'm not sure how Halsey does it tonight, if I'll be able to show that clip or not, I'll, I'll leave that to the Lord. But I can at least tell you about it. As I sat there in the living room, and across from me, was a child soldier that had fought in the battle for Mosul. He had been captured as a young Yazidi man, indoctrinated by ISIS, and pressed involuntarily into the front lines as a soldier. And I was watching as he was excited about things that, and I don't mean to put put this down at all, but things that excite my little children, namely songs with motions, and clapping in excitement. And I hope they excite some of us too sometimes. But he was all into this. And he was smiling. You could just see he was smiling both his face and his eyes. He was just looking around at everybody. And he was sitting there in the middle of this, this uh, project. And I've thought about it before. And I thought about it there again. And it's this verse. That God takes the are nots, the nothings, the outcasts. Nobody knows what to do with these young men. They were kind of forced in against their will and yet they're stained with this and they've been part of all this and, and they're just scared of them. They don't know what to do. But Jesus knows what to do with young men like this. And I hope he has some hands and feet that can labor in and do something about this. Because whoever grabs this, this generation, the, these outcasts, gets the, the leadership of the future of these people, I believe. Why? Because this is an immutable principle that God sticks by. He chooses the nobodies and the nothings to confound the mighty. And that should give every one of us here this morning great hope. Because I don't know about you, but I know about me. See, I know where I came from. I know what it means to be a nobody and to not expect to be used in anything great. To have no such aspirations just like it says not many high born and i have seen just like the lady um i believe there was somebody sitting um on a park bench if i remember the story right told dl moody the world has yet to see what god can do with one man that totally surrenders and sells out to god because it's not about our clay jar it never was it's about Him. Like another scripture says, that the excellency of power may be of Him and not of us. We have this cl- treasure in clay jars. And, do you, brothers and sisters, this morning, do you realize how big and how hard a job it is for God to get our focus off of us? Now, we might have this false humility. And we think we live here. We know the imperfections. We know the cracks. We know the problems with this clay jar. And therefore, in our false humility, we expect God to do this much with us. And He says, stop it already. It never was about you. And your imperfections are not nearly as big as you think they are. Because I am gaunt. And God has such a job for us to convince convince us what His Word says. Not just here in a Sunday morning discussion. I hope that in a Sunday morning discussion, if we looked at being adopted as sons, maybe, maybe you already have done this. I don't know. Or you picked that, uh, that verse that we're, we're, we're adopted, we're grafted into the family, we're part of the family. We would say all together, Amen, brother. Praise God. Yes, we're so glad to be part of the family of God. We're not part of darkness anymore. And then we go back and we're totally occupied with absolutely positively small thinking. That looks like anything but a prince. Because we don't really believe that. We believe believe this much of it. Enough, just like we heard this morning, enough that affects our salvation and a little bit of extra joy and grace in the journey. We're so grateful for that and we ought to be, praise God. But it is not about us, brothers and sisters. It's not about how much extra joy and salvation we got. That is a wonderful, glorious byproduct. But see, David was not in... Let me just talk about David a minute here. David was not in this for what he would get out of it. When he was out there strong, Unless God told him by His Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you, when he was out on the backside of the desert, strumming in his heart, he was not thinking, I am going to be the great leader of Israel. He was not thinking, I will be the king. Do you know how I know that? Because even after... He was there. He sat down and he talked to the Lord. and He says, you've taken my name. You've taken me from among the sheepfolds. And you've given me a great name among the men of the earth. And it's true. You can go to anywhere in the Middle East. You can go to anywhere in America and Europe and all over probably Russia too. I've never been there. And you can mention King David and they all know who it is. He's one of the great names of people that lived uh, on the face of the earth. He, he has a name not far behind Jesus Christ as far as um, that people know about. And his son Solomon, by the way, both in the within one generation, is known worldwide. Very few people know the Rehoboam and Jeroboam. You know, you've got to be a Bible scholar to know those names. But everybody knows Abraham and King David. And he was a nobody, but he believed God. That is why I don't know how he got. You know, it says he had this this. It talked, okay, so it talks about Caleb and Joshua. They had this different spirit in them. And I believe David had the same thing and why he wouldn't regard his life and go take on a lion barehanded. You know what I like to think? I think he was so incensed and so concerned about the sheep, he never thought that he, he possibly could fail. Because he wasn't focused on himself. If he would have glanced at himself for a minute, he would have been like Peter, I'm sure. He would have started sinking in the waves. And even when it came to time to take on Goliath as a young man, his regard was not to himself. He didn't think about the failure could be an option. Why? Because he was so incensed that somebody was doing this to the armies of Israel and to a living God and this was not fair to God and he was going to stand up and make a difference. Hmm. I would like to... I want to spend a little closing time in Matthew 5 about blessed are the poor in spirit. But before I go there, I'd like to spend just a few moments on setting our expectations. First, I want to talk about your assembly here, if I may. And then I'm going to zero in a little bit on Dennis, if I may. And listen, if you're not going to Iraq, you all have your own place of ministry. Some of you are, when you're done here with the uh, harvest, you're going back to Alaska or Pennsylvania or I don't know where you're all from. All over. So you can apply this to wherever you're going back to or if you're going back to Halsey, Oregon. That's a wonderful place to go back to to, because he told us to go out (laughs) to the ends of the earth. And this is getting very close to the ends of the earth from Jerusalem. (laughs) Setting our expectations. First of all, let's not set our expectations on people who sling stones at hairbreads and don't miss. You probably have somebody with a skill in their department that's not far off from that here. I don't, know, I don't know this congregation well. I don't know what you know how to do well. But somewhere, there's somebody that has a skill like that. And they're best at what they do. I don't want to make somebody uncomfortable, but I'm going to use Brother Roger as an illustration I have never met anybody, and I know this is only because of Jesus, that I consider a better investment advisor than Roger. And yet most of the world probably would not say that. And we can talk about how I came to that uh, uh, to be convinced of that, and I don't think I've told him that. But he, he has a, a accountant's head, and he went around the block a way very, very few people do. And therefore, because of that, In that particular area, Roger's my hero. But even as it relates to kingdom investments, Roger probably makes mistakes sometimes. In fact, he was, as any good investment advisor does, he wanted to pick my brain, and we may get to do this later today, about certain ministries and things in the worldwide uh, spectrum because good investment advisors want information. They want to know what's happening in that sector. What's that one doing? He's probably got, maybe not literally, but in the back of his mind, some charts and graphs, and he's watching the curves. He probably didn't even think of it that way, but it's part of who he is. That may be an area where God has allowed him to hit pretty well. I'm going to guess. I don't know that. But Roger's ability to give good kingdom investment advice is not what's, what, where his intrinsic value is. Much as he may be able to do a good job. And you fill your blank in. I don't care if it's hauling hay. I don't care if it's a brain surgeon or a lawyer or a cook or a chef or a house cleaner. I don't care what you're good at. Every one of you has something you're good at. But it is not your entrancing value. It is not when the father looks at you and says, Ah, choose him or her because they can sling left-handed or right-handed at this mark and not miss. No. It's not going to win the day. It's when you say, I am going to take all of my goodness and badness and everything I got and all my imperfections. And I have one goal. is to seek His kingdom first. And I have one goal. is to, uh, to turn my heart after Him. And I don't want to fail. Jesus, please keep me from failing. But I, if I fail, I'm humble enough that I will get back up and I will just repeat, I have one goal. And so, as an assembly... As you look at somebody like Dennis going out, as you look at each other, as you think about what you can accomplish here in the valley, do not look at perfection. I know you know this, but do look, and we heard it this morning on the call, about that heart. And then, if somebody fails, yes, we can hold each other accountable. Yes, we can speak into it, but we can say, there's a living God. What does it take for this living God to flow through me? What does it take to change? What does it take to be a church, a group of people, where God looks at them and says, They may not be many highborn, they may be nothing, but they are passionate about me. They're passionate about letting the my love and my grace and my Holy Spirit flow through them. And they are not putting limiters on on me. They don't think so small. They're willing to do very mundane tasks. Okay? That's great. I remember the day when I was coming south out of Chicago and I was going through an identity crisis. I remember the year It was about 2005 or six, somewhere in there, maybe 2006. And I didn't know what I was. I remember looking up at the big buildings and I knew that that was not where God was calling me. I knew that many of those men are slaves of the very empires they built. And yet I didn't know what I was. What would I do? And then the Chicago uh, uh, skyline gave way to Indiana farmland and the sun was beginning to set. And I realized that way out beyond the edge of that horizon is more. And beyond that, more and more and more and more and more. And that's all just this world. And beyond that, more and more and more. And that God had created this all in six days. And that He didn't need my help. And what a crushing reality to come to But I realized that he created me for his glory. And I remember telling the Lord as I rolled down, uh, is that Indiana 69, I believe, or 65, whatever the interstate that goes down towards Indianapolis, that even if I would just be a janitor, and my only job was to sweep out a furnace room in the basement, as long as I knew that I was on assignment, I was bringing him glory, that's all that I cared about. See, somebody like that, God will make king okay maybe not king but he will take and he will use because we have given everything up that's ours and he'll have to test us on the journey because we have this propensity to start grabbing and tightening up he has to do it to me all the time i'm sure you you could bear testimony the same but set your expectations not for high performance but for a heart like mary that's after god and then to deliver ourselves from small human thinking and saying, How would God want to use this fellowship to shake the valley and not only the valley, Portland, and well beyond? Now, I want to talk about Dennis. I'm assuming, Dennis isn't that old, that you are not having too high expectations on Dennis. I don't know, Dennis, if you're having high expectations on yourself. Sometimes we do. I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. It's not all wrong. God has put those things there. But they must be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, if you go to Iraq for six months, and the only thing that you get accomplished is to fellowship with Jesus there and for Him to show you and touch your heart with the needs of that place and the needs of the world, it will have been a smashing success, never mind the newsletters and reports and WhatsApp messages. But if you go there and you have some nice newsletter reports and whatsapp messages and good conquests and you do not accomplish that you could find yourself and i i don't i know this is not god's will nor yours but you could find yourself in a place like saul where god's saying i gave you the chance but you didn't turn your heart toward me and iraq is not a cure and neither are the ends of the earth a cure that we would not do that and we we heard the name uh This week week about Joshua Harris. I don't know what all happened in Joshua's life. I don't know where he started. I know what the outside says. I can't see the inside. But I can tell you reliably one thing. Joshua would have never gotten there if he had stayed here. He would have never gotten there because it was never about him. It was never about those things. It was just about King Jesus and a relationship with him. I'd like now to turn to Matthew 5, 3 here in closing. The first of the Beatitudes. What we call the Beatitudes. So he was up in the mountain, seeing the crowds. He went up into the mountain and having sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's go back to this kingdom thing. Who did he give, take the kingdom from? Somebody who became self confident, wise in his own eyes. I'm going to say he gave, of course, this was the literal kingdom of Israel, but he gave it to somebody who was poor in spirit. You might say, well, What is poor in spirit? I'm not professing to have all the answers to what poor in spirit means, but I can tell you one simple thing that it means to me. Poor people don't have a lot of options. Poor people come as beggars. And I can tell you this morning, and I'm certainly not as one as arrived, but as I thought about standing before you this morning, that was my one prayer. Lord, please, I need you. Please, I need your help. I can't do this without you. And that's when we don't look at our clay jars or whatever God might even form in them by workmanship of his grace. We constantly look at him, that the excellency of the powers of him and not of us. And those that are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. They will see God work. They will see him move in their lifetime. They will see lots of things happen. And whether they do or whether they don't, they are blessed. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. It's not about being able to hit the hair's breadth every time. Sure, it's wonderful to want to do well. We should want to say at the end, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We should want to do well in all our work. Amen. But let's be the poor in spirit. There is a a writer that certain aspects of what he's written has been helpful and inspirational to me um, in things of taking ownership and being responsible, which is good. But many of these men, uh, and, and I might add, he's actually an ex-Navy SEAL. Many of these men, when you dig deep, they have one common thread, and that is who made them. They made themselves. Discipline, get up early, do the drill, all those things. See, this is the way of the world. This is the way of Humankind. And how many people in the church are still there, trying harder? They're trying to swim a little harder, trying to row this boat a little faster. They're in a losing battle against an oncoming stream that's hammering them. And listen, brothers and sisters, I know the, 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 the enemy's design and desires to weigh out the, wear out the saints. The Bible says that. That he wants to do. So if you're a mother or you're a father, and it just seems like it's coming at you faster than you can handle it, I understand that. But the problem is, we're bent on hitting, uh, throwing this stone and hitting the mark uh, within a hair's breadth and we can't do it. And we put our value and our identity in that. And and we, the best thing we could do is throw ourselves on Jesus and say, I can't do it, Jesus. I'm deeply grieved in the professing church of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm sorry if I uh, offend anybody here. That's not my uh, heart. And if you're here, just humbly admit it to Jesus and say, I'm here, Jesus. I need help. Okay. But I'm deeply grieved how many Christians, professing Christians, and even what's really uh, sad to me is when it's leaders and their wives are on mind-altering medication, trying to prop things up to to deal with deep soul things that need healing. Look, people come to me and ask the question, are you saying it's always wrong? That's the wrong question. I'm not even going to wage an argument on that. Why bother? Jesus is our healer, and He came to take us above the trembling elements. So you're there? Don't be condemned this morning if there's somebody there. That's not the point. The point is like, blind bar to mass on the side of the road to not be content with our blindness with our weakness do i believe that there's such a thing as emotional and mental weakness of course you ought to see me on my worst days i'm a mess (laughs) i don't need to look at anybody else to understand that i just need to look at me when something going is going down in, in in iraq sideways and there's not enough money to reach around and all this stuff. And you're like pulling. And then we got to run back to the rock because see we shouldn't even get out from under and get wound around the axle and get into this stuff. But we do. We wish we we should always stay there. And that's what God wants to teach us. But the point is, what do we do? And maybe your thing is not that maybe your thing is insurance. Maybe your thing is propping something else up. Am I saying it's all wrong? No, 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 no. You're not hearing me. I'm talking about a heart issue. I'm talking about trust and I'm talking about acknowledging our weakness. To give up on being the stone slingers. To be the broken people. It's okay to be broken, brothers and sisters. That's my point. Don't defend our brokenness. Just say, that's me. Brother Merle, you just talked about me this morning. You just stepped on my toes. I'm broken. That is such a wonderful place to be. But then admit it. Don't say, but I'm, I'm just going to galvanize myself and make myself strong. No, I'm broken. I need Jesus. I don't even know how to reach out to Him. In this I've heard this. I've heard this sometimes from uh, mothers coming through things like postpartum depression. They're in a mess. That's okay. We don't want anybody to stay there. We should be a healing community for each other, of course. But let's just say, I'm broken. I need Jesus. And Dennis... If you can do that in Iraq, you will be a smashing success. Whether it looks like it on the outside, it doesn't really matter. I'm broken. I need Jesus. This morning as we were sharing, we were talking about ideals. I tend to be very idealistic in much of my life. I'm a visionary. And uh, Brother Roger asked me, you know, uh, some very you know good, deep, searching questions about some subjects. And I said, you know... The thing I want to see is that we agree. We agree on God's standard. We don't pull it down. And then we fall short. We say, I messed up again. I'm sorry. Can you help me, brothers? That broken, humble, contrite place, God says He will not despise. I want to talk about two illustrations. And this morning I feel Uh, like using two other illustrations then maybe I'll use an illustration or two from my life and I didn't ask either of these brothers if I could do this but there's two I have lots of heroes in my life but there's two that I want to talk about this morning the one I can't ask he's gone now and that's brother Denny I've learned more from my brother Denny by his failures and his willingness to admit it in the end and earn it than I ever did by his successes I remember the time he looked with such eyes full of pain into my, uh, into my um, face and says, Merle, I don't know if I'll ever preach again. That, to me, that takes a man. Because he, what he believed about his family and some very deep mistakes that he made that I even saw him made and agreed with his assessment of, they were very deep mistakes that a lot of people even to this day don't really understand why things turned out the way they did. But a man who will that. I remember the day we were at some uh, social event. And I looked in the back kitchen after he would laid down his preaching and his leadership mantle for the time. He was back there washing dishes. contentedly watching. With typical Dennis, uh, uh, Denny zeal. Even with his dishes. <laughs> and I cheered for that man. And uh, the other one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Roger, I'm not wanting to put, uh, single you out, but you made my day this week. I didn't know that you had laid down your ordination and your walk because of your family and the way things turned out. And I've never talked to you about what must be some deep disappointments for you. But I honor you incredibly highly to take that low place. And I've watched men who don't, men who defend it, I'm sure at this point, between you and your wife, there's things you still don't understand. And that's okay. That's a good place of brokenness. But just say, you know what? I'm still going to leave the Bible be the Bible. I'm going to be humble. And you think that for a man who's just a little younger, coming behind, that doesn't put the fear of God in me? Absolutely does. I'm hoping, just like I did with Brother Denny before he died, I'm hoping to sit down with Brother Roger and say, what can you teach me about your mistakes? I don't know how much time we'll get. That's where we learn. Not by hitting the hair's breadth every time. That's not where we learn the most. And Dennis, you might make some mistakes in in uh, Iraq. The story's told of a young man who cost a company a million dollars for some mistakes he made. And he went into the... I think it was the president's office, and he was going to hand in his resignation. Actually, he did hand in his resignation with deep apology, and I'm so sorry. And the president, I don't remember if he ripped it up or if he handed it back. He said, I won't accept it. And the young man was like, why? He said, we've just invested a million dollars in education for you. I can't let you walk out with that without redeeming it for the company. Wasn't that a different look at failure and mistakes? I wonder if the Lord looks at us that way sometimes when we let him down, when we soil his glory, when we make mistakes. I've invested too much in you, son, daughter. I can't let you go. We've got to go back and shine this thing up and go for another round. He might be weeping with us when we make those mistakes, but he wants to display his glory. And um, in closing, I'm going to use my own life. For that, as a young man, the Lord came to me, a number of different intersections, young married fellow, and as it were, I, I don't even like to use this illustration, but threw the gauntlet down, laid the challenge, and I said, Yes, Lord. Brothers and sisters, I've made a lot of mistakes on the journey, I've hurt a lot of people over the years. I've disappointed a lot of people. And I'm not proud of that, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I am amazed with what God will do with a clay jar. There, When I sat there and I saw those who come behind, a fellow who was an Amish guy that used to drive around in my car, who's passed me up in many ways, who wrestled, as it were, this program off the ground to reach out to these survivor boys. I saw that I could be a small part. I knew that I'd once washed his feet. I'd once driven him around. I shook my head again and said, what God will do with a clay jar if we'll let him. And I don't know how many days I have, by the way of uh, scriptural and human expectations. I might be about halfway. I don't know. It could be tomorrow. That's my last day is. But I know if he'll give me more days, I have one goal. And that is this broken clay jar that makes so many mistakes. I want to let him display his glory. And I want to fellowship with him. And I want to seek him. And I want it not to be about me. And as you think about us in Pennsylvania and and the organization that's scattered out over America... As you think about Kingdom Channels, that's the one prayer request I would have. You would just pray for those broken clay jars that are trying to work together, that he would do something with them. That's our heart, and that's what I'll pray as I think about the little assembly here in Halsey, Oregon. Not many highborn, not many mighty, not always the ones who can hit the hair's breadth, or what we say in America, the thousand yard shot and hit the bull's eye. Not them. He might use them if he can get a hold of their hearts. But the Aranats, the child ISIS soldiers that are ruined for life. Those women that were sold off in captivity. God says, Looks like prime candidate material for me to use. And you can just go ahead and put your name in there, whether you're old or young. And say, you know what? I can't have started worse than that. So here I am, Jesus. Here I am, God. Use me. Thank you for letting me share my heart. may not have been the best wrapped and presented, but I think you got the heartbeat, and that's the most important. If I, in any way, said something out of order in the sharing of that, just let it wash down the stream and hear the heartbeat. That's that's my burden. So uh, what I'd like to do next... um, is uh, actually have Dennis come up here just shortly and we will have a prayer for him. I think I'll call his mother and father up and any other, you know, older men or, you know, whoever would really have a heart to uh, come up and join in prayer. We'll open it up for that. And then when we're done with that first wave of prayer or initial prayer, I would like to especially ask the young men here this morning, if you're a young man, or if you're a young man in an older body, I guess you can decide if you want to join in, too. <laughs> uh, to come up and gather around Dennis and pray for him. You won't maybe have them all pray, but just a few volunteers as a show of solidarity. That um, you're gathering around him as he goes out. Don't, you won't forget about him for the next six months. As you think about him, you pray for him as you go back, even if from out of the area, wherever you might be from. Um... Any other, uh, anything else I should say before we go to prayer, Roger, that you can think of? Okay, Dennis, would you come up here? Um, I can, I'm going to set this to the side a little. um,
2: Let's see if we can do this.
1: Roger. Anybody else that, other men that would like to join in initially, that's fine. Is it too much to ask you to kneel? All right, let's do that. Right here in the center, however, that's good. Excellent. Hmm. Do you want to open up?
3: Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, it's meant for all of us, Lord, that the light of Jesus would shine through the cracks of our jar, through our failures, and Lord, we can all say we have lots of them. And I just pray for Brother Dennis as he goes out from among us today, this coming Tuesday. And I pray, Lord, that His anoint- that your anointing would be upon his life, and Lord, that he would not think about who he is, but what you can do through him and I pray Lord a special blessing upon his parents I pray Lord that you would bless them you would anoint them also and that you would give them the grace as they send him out and Lord that they would just think of it as an arrow that they have trained that they have brought up and father maybe there's a few tears that would flow but that's okay because you understand us you made us. You made us with emotions. And I just pray, Lord, we just give all these emotions to you. And the Lord, that as he is over in Iraq, Lord, that you would be his anchor. <clears throat> and Father, it's hard to see him go even as a, somebody who has saw him grow up and looked at his life and have much appreciation for his steadfastness in you. But Lord, it's a blessing to be able to send him out and to see this vessel filled with you to share with others. Thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: Father, I just want to Bless Dennis as he has committed his life to you. and As we heard this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help him to be that broken vessel. Amen. That you would fill him with your Holy Spirit as he goes. That he would just stay in that place. That he can do nothing without you. Amen. But with you, he can do all things. And I pray, Lord, you would, um, as our brother had said, that if, as he's there, that this would be a time he would draw close to you and know you and have that deep relationship with you and that you, uh, as, he, as he's there, that he would be a light that men would see. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you too for this this moment, this young man, his heart, his willingness to go. It's really encouraging, Father God. Just that in and of itself is an example for other young men and young ladies to follow, and I, I, I thank you for that. I pray that you would go with Dennis, and I just agree with all the prayers here. You would shine through him, you would use him, you would fill him, you would teach him, you would reveal yourself to him, and uh, amen. I agree with the message there. If he, if he goes and just draws near to you and knows you in a more fully intimate way, you you will use him, and he will be used by you to advance your kingdom. Indeed, Lord, it is all about you and who you are and what you are in your kingdom, Father. We give you praise. We give you thanks. pray that you would uh, just cover him and protect him and be with him as he travels, as he goes. This would be just a, a, a wonderful time, Father God, for him to draw near to you. And indeed, Father God, be with his parents and his whole family. Bless them and carry them and minister to them and give them grace as, uh, as they let go. And and bless him abundantly. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
0: Yes, Lord, I pray for Dennis Well, Lord. I pray you would overshadow him, Lord. I pray you just bless him with much wisdom, much direction, discernment in life, and just be with him and God and direct his footsteps. And, like, agree with the others, just overshadow him and. And may you receive all the glory and praise and worship. Shall it thus praise thee. So Lord, just lift them up to you.
4: In Jesus' name.
3: Father God, I just pray, God, that you'd fill him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill him with grace, Lord. Fill him with the power to be able to do what you created him to do, those good works, Lord, that He's been created for. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before him and any any works that you'd want to get done Lord hearts would be softened and ready to receive your your presence Lord through Dennis and through others Lord we pray God that your that your mission not be thwarted, let the that the workings of the devil Lord the workings of any demonic uh, powers over that area would be pushed aside by your power Lord and by your presence let there be a holiness Lord let there be let there be power Lord just filled out in that area let there be an example, Lord, of those who wish to follow you with their entire hearts. In Jesus' name.
0: Dear Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, God, for this moment. I thank you, Lord, for these men who are here praying. Thank you for the message that we heard. And, Lord, I just want to say thank you for Dennis. Thank you for the 18 years we've had together. And Lord, I pray that you would just go with him. Raise up people to be around him. that encourage him to be closer to you and fill him most of all, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Protect him from the evil that's in the world. Lord, be with us as family here at home. And protect us too from the evil, Lord, that we know that there is so much of. Just be with Amanda, be with Becky, be with Stephen, joyful, Christiana. Be with <clears throat> be with Corey where she's at. But Lord, I thank you most of all for Jesus. Thank you for the hope we have. thank you again god for this morning in jesus name i pray amen
1: dennis we bless you in the wonderful name of jesus there's really nothing better that we can send you with than that wonderful name we thank you that you've presented yourself to go and serve And inasmuch as you've done it out of a pure heart, I can surely say that the fire always falls on the prepared sacrifice. And I bless you in that. I'm excited to see what God will do in and for and through you. And we commit you, Dennis, to the word of His grace that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, (laughs) in spite of whatever brokenness you might have, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. (laughs) Well done, thou good and faithful servant. With exceeding joy. Lord, we believe that you want to do that with Dennis, and not only Dennis, but many other Arnots in Iraq and beyond. And we bless him to that work in Jesus' name. Okay, um, if I could have some of the young men come on up here, give a little space for them, and um, just have a gather around if you need to reposition. Are you comfortable? Okay, just come on up, wherever you are, that local especially, if anybody else wants to join in and just have a word or two of
3: prayer.
2: Father in heaven, we come before you and thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, especially pray for Dennis and thank you for the blessing he's been to all of us and um, just what a great example he's been. Lord, I pray that you'd go with him and just bless him, help him to be, um, help him to be a blessing out there. I pray that you would um, give him grace as he goes about his task of teaching, uh, give him clarity of thought. Help him to draw close to you. I pray that this would be a very good time for him, a deep time, growing in his relationship with you. And uh, I pray that he learns a lot, Lord, and that uh, that you go with him and um, just just bless him, Lord. Thank you for his heart of service. In Jesus' name.
0: dear lord come come before you this morning and we just want to bless dennis as he goes out into this, to iraq pray that you would this would be a time that he uh, finds himself drawing closer to you and that other lives would also be touched by him going there as well and sharing the good news and i also pray that you would uh, help us to keep him always in our prayers and Pray that you would just bless him as he goes. Pray this all in Jesus' name, Amen. God, come
2: before you now, and pray that you, um, empower Dennis by your Holy Spirit as he goes, and pray that you bless him, and that you give him safe travels, and there and back, and. Thank you that for his, what a friend he has been to me and for his friendship, and he would be a blessing over there to the people. for him and peace name
0: dear God I want to thank you for the friend Dennis has been to me and the
2: uh, good how he how I've been able to watch his life and see you. I pray that You would have hearts open to You, that they may see You through Him in Iraq, and that You would keep them safe. In
0: Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Dear God, I want to agree with all the prayers that were already spoken. Lord, thank You so much for the example that He's been to me, to all the rest of us. Lord, I pray that You'd be with him as he goes over there. pray that You would strengthen him, Lord, that he would be a light over there for You, God. pray that, um, as Timmy said, the hearts would be open, Lord, and that he'd be able to do Your will, that this would be a strengthening time for him, Lord. And thank You for him. In Jesus' name.
4: Dear God, I come to you today and uh, pray that you just pour your Spirit out upon Dennis as he goes out from here and that you'd bless him with a peace in mind and uh, just fill him with your Spirit, do your will, and uh, be bold for you and not hold back from anything that you would have him to do while he's there. yeah, I just pray that you bless him as he goes from here.
1: May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go with God. Go in the name of Jesus. And may God bless you.
3: Amen.